Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, happy Wednesday. If you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, of course, and listening on Wednesday, uh, no harm, no foul if you're not. I just like to give credit where credit is due and acknowledge the day. So I have been doing so much thinking and reflecting lately on last week's episode with Nikki Rausch about the whole sales conversation piece of our businesses. And I've also been reflecting on the conversation with my guest before Nikki, Cindy Zodi, which was on nonviolent communication. That was a couple of weeks ago. What's tying these two podcasts and themes of communication and money together for me is the reminder to take pause and check in prior to speaking and communicating because your words have a whole lot of power. They have power to connect, disconnect, create, burn down. And when it comes to your business, your words can actually be a tool for making or breaking, in some cases, you money. And I've had the opportunity um, to put some of Nikki's sales conversation tips into practice recently. And I've been actually finding myself like live time, getting a little bit better at taking pauses and asking questions and using questions to guide the conversation forward. One I really love and I want to share with you is, would you like to book the time in my schedule for your project? I really, really love that one and have been using it. And that is such an easy way for the person to be able to take the next step. So today I wanted to share a couple of things with you, things that have been on my mind when it comes to your business and using your words to make you money. And this isn't about like being greedy or getting rich, but if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, you use, you actually do use your words to make you money in a variety of ways. And if you're a content writer like me, your words are literally the exchange for the money that you make. If you're a coach, a consultant, a strategist, an advisor, your words are the way that you transmit ideas and create the change in someone else. And therefore, as you can see, your words make you money. If you're a graphic designer, the way you describe what you do and how you help and what sets you apart, those words are making you money. If you're a travel advisor, you have to put in a whole lot of time and effort making sure that people get all the information, aka words, right? And that the right words get sent to the right people at the right time to make sure that people get to where they need to go. That's what people pay you for. Once again, your words are making you money. All right, so to dive into this topic, I have a little bit of a story time, of course, to we're going to help, that's going to help kind of like crack this nut open for us. But before we get into story time, I want to give a big thank you to the reviewer of the week who reviewed the She Built This podcast episode number 157 called Everything Content. The reviewer said, this episode is so amazing. I feel like it's a not so mini masterclass. Emily is so generous and shares useful information you can use right away. Thank you so much for your review. You are amazing. And I appreciate each and every single one of you that takes time to leave me a review on Podbean, Apple, or elsewhere. But 
honestly, if you're leaving them elsewhere, it's not like pinging me and letting me know. So always feel free to send a screenshot if you've written a review and I missed reading it or send them to me and I will share them in an upcoming episode. And in case you're like, wait a minute, what was that fabulous episode that this reviewer is referring to? What did I miss? What did Emily give away? And how do I get my hands on it? Don't panic. Stay calm. The link will be in the show notes. And you can just go back and listen after you listen to this one. It was truly a confetti of content goodness. And if you are one who loves a mini masterclass or not so mini masterclass, uh, if that sounds right up your alley, I highly encourage you to check that one out after you listen to this. And if you are new here, welcome. I'd like for you to take a moment and imagine glitter falling from the sky on you because in my imagination, that is how I greet newcomers. Um, On this podcast, you get to hear stories, tips, resources, and like honestly, just an abundance of useful information from myself and my guests, which is specific for women entrepreneurs and professionals. I, yours truly, am the host, Emily Aborn. I'm a freelance content writer, as well as the leader and founder of the women's entrepreneurship community, She Built This. And while this podcast has actually been in existence since 2019, I personally have been an entrepreneur in multiple capacities for the past eight years. And for a decade before that, I worked with other entrepreneurs and small business doing all the things that I do now. Someday I will tell you my whole story, but today we have bigger fish to fry. And I'm not like tooting my own horn here, but really for the for one of the first times in my life, I feel like I am doing what I was born to do. And I wake up so extremely grateful every single morning, ready and excited to get back to it. And I want the same for you, which is exactly why this podcast and exactly why the She Built This community exists, so that you can get clear on what you're building, get it into the hands and the minds and the hearts of the right people, and get the resources and support system you need to make it a whole heck of a lot easier to build and grow. Okay, enough about all that. If you want to learn more about myself and She Built This, you can just visit emilyaborn.com or visit the links in the show notes. We will get you all situated in no time. Now, time to get into the episode. I'm rolling up my proverbial sleeves here, and we're going to talk today about how your words can make you money. A few weeks ago, I had to give a proposal for someone, and I was super duper excited to work with this person. I was very flattered that they chose me and that they this person would trust me with her project. Now, I'm pretty much these days super duper excited to work with all my clients at this point. Um, I don't really say yes to ones that I'm not anymore. And as I say that, I want to reassure you and help you realize that at the beginning of starting nearly any business, there are a lot of times when we have to put in our dues and do things that we don't necessarily want to do for a lot of people we don't want to do it at prices that we don't want to charge. I'm not saying this is always the case. I'm not saying this is the way it should be. I'm just saying this happens to a lot of us. Like we go through this in the beginning of our business. So like so many of you, like so many of us, after a lot of trial and error, I would say a solid two years of just trial and error and figuring out and honing in on who I loved working with, getting better at what I did, niching down and elevating what I was offering. Now I truly get that opportunity to say I am super duper excited to work with every single person that comes my way. I really enjoy working with the people that I work with. And this is something I'm very passionate about helping others with as well. 
for example, you. Um, and I do believe that our words, the words we use in our business can help that go faster, that process go faster. So for me, a uh, little peek behind the scenes, preparing a proposal kind of looks like this. You know, I talk to the client about their goals. I put the pieces uh, into the proposal that will help them reach those goals. And then I add up all the pieces to reveal the grand total of the proposal. Well, in this case, when I did the math, it was a little higher than I would have liked. In fact, uh, past Emily that took on all those clients she didn't want and did everything for everyone, she would never have sent something like this. And so for a second, I reverted back to that old pattern and those old fears. And maybe you can relate to some of these like a fear of selling yourself. Are you even worth it? Is this even valuable? Um, a fear of being rejected. A fear of people thinking that, oh my God, this girl's prices are so astronomical, even if they're not, but you are worried that they will tell everyone on the internet and their friends that you're a scam artist. Fill in the blank for you, but this stuff, this fear that we have around uh, charging our worth, this stuff runs deep, okay? So anyway, I'm getting ready to send this out and there she was. Old Emily had something to say about it. She wanted me to lower the package price, damn her. So I did. I, I actually ended up listening to her little nagging voice and I knocked it down a notch and then I knocked it down a little more. It still honestly felt like a little high, but I knew that from there I couldn't really go down without emerging from the project like an exhausted and useless sack of potatoes. So I hit send. I had no idea if the person on the other end was going to be into this. I hadn't asked her what her budget was. What if it was more than she was expecting? What if she didn't see the value in what I was proposing? And cue the hamster wheel mental soundtrack and the self-storytelling sabotage. So anyway, after hitting send, I proceeded to kind of like anxiously wait around, walk on eggshells till I heard back. When I did hear back, she said, of course, uh, yes, let's get started, which is like honestly what most people say to me because even after this whole entire mental gymnastics that I do, I'm not even close to being the most expensive of my direct competition, and I know that. Um, so I did learn a couple lessons for next time, and I wanted to share them with you because these are really lessons in how to use our words more effectively to make us more confident when it comes to processes like this. So number one, don't use your mental words, right, to write these lengthy novels about what is happening behind the scenes for other people or what is going on in their heads or their pockets. It doesn't really do anybody any favors, but especially you. Their pockets are not our business. I'm not even sure where I heard that verse, but I love it and I highly encourage you to write it down somewhere. Your client's pockets are not your business. The second thing I learned is um, after a discussion with my most loyal business confidants, I decided to add a simple question into my sales conversation, which will give me a ton of information. The question is, have you ever worked with a content writer or a copywriter before? Now, that simple question, that one single question, gives me so much information about what went well, what didn't go well in their past experiences. Maybe it will clue me into where they felt a little overcharged, or maybe they even felt that they underpaid, or they didn't get what they thought they were getting. Um, it also gives you just a little bit of context sometimes in whether or not you're, the person on the other end has any idea of pricing going in. And I'd love to hear if you incorporate a similar question into your sales conversations. I know that some people ask 
uh, what the budget is. And I, I tried that once. Um, it felt a little awkward and clunky for me. It, it didn't really come across my lips very smoothly. Um, and frankly, it's just not my style. Plus, someone pointed out to me, and I love this notion, that can kind of create a reaction in the person on the other end. Like, okay, you're just going to shoot for the top end of that budget then. <laughs> like, now that you've asked, you know my number. And really, the person who says their number first loses, right? Or so the so the psychology principle goes. So anyway, feel free to use that question in a way that works for you or adapt it a little bit. Like, have you ever worked with a graphic designer before? Have you ever hired a coach or a consultant before? Um, so f- yeah, fill in the blank for you. And I realized through this that I'm usually pretty good at not attaching to the outcome of like individual projects, launches, sales, etc. But I do sometimes get stuck and fall right back into it. No matter how many times I repeat to myself, I'm not attached, I'm not attached, I'm not attached. I still have this thing in the back of my mind saying that this certain outcome or this certain thing is what success is versus not successful. For example, with my recent Marketing Momentum Lab launch, I was really trying not to be attached to any particular outcome, but I had this certain number of people in my mind that I wanted to be a part of it, a number that I would deem the program a success if only I hit that number. Well, spoiler alert, I didn't hit that number. And I think if I had hit it, I'd be crying right now at the size of the group. I did, however, get world's most perfect number for this group and they are world's best group and they are so super committed and in addition unpredictably I got about three additional ideas as I was creating the program plus people interested in the next opportunity so I would say I kind of surpassed any sort of desired outcome I had and then some in my book this was far beyond a success so even if you really want to work with somebody try not to get attached to the outcome looking like what you think it should. Just let it go. Like trust that whatever happens with it, it's going to be for the best. And if not them, there will be another opportunity behind this one that's meant for you. Sometimes this is easier said than done. I know. And at the end of the day, we are not here to sell or offer anyone anything that they don't want. You and I are just not those kind of people, right? We don't we wouldn't want someone to do that to us and we just would not do that to someone else. So, as my guest Nikki Roush said on last week's episode, remember that at the end of the day, sales are a collaborative experience and the person and our relationship with the person is always more important than any sale. So that in and of itself can help you not get so attached to that outcome. The other the other point I wanted to touch on from last week's episode was the reminder to rethink your value. You know, you've invested years of experience, time, money, education, probably blood, sweat, and tears into what you provide people with. And you are saving them from having to go through all of that by taking it off their plate or helping them get there faster or uh, providing the service for them. And most likely, what you're offering, what you're providing is actually going to propel them forward. It's going to help them make more money. If you're creating a website for somebody, if you are doing a rebrand for somebody, if you're writing for them, this leads to more clients, increased like, know, and trust, and, and more opportunities. So if you're coaching them, 
they show up in a way that is more confident, which is likely going to make them more money. You help them to remove obstacles, which is likely going to make them more efficient and make more money. The list goes on, but I'll stop there. But this is how we have to think when we get hesitant to charge our worth or use our words to make money. Okay, so that was the backstory and a couple lessons peppered in, of course. Um, But that experience and reflecting on it really brought me to today's episode. Now, my desire with this episode is just to help you realize the importance of your words, the words you say, how you say them, and how they can actually drive your business forward and see all of the opportunities therein. So to begin, um, I want to touch on how your words can make money in your content. Now, of course, I'm a content writer. This is my thing. I'm very aware that content can make you money. It's important to remember that content doesn't always do the actual selling for you. Now, of course, this is not the case if we're talking about a sales page. I rarely talk about sales pages because I just don't care to talk about them. Um, But it does help to connect your ideal client to you, aka help you make money. I like to say that content is kind of like a bridge. It helps your ideal client realize who you are, what you do, how you can help them, and then guide them across that little bridge to safety. And for those who haven't heard it yet, I'll share my garden analogy. I love to use a garden analogy when I talk about content because it really is important to have a healthy mix of content. So first of all, we have the soil. The soil content is the stuff that lays the foundation. It shares your who, your what, your how, your why, sometimes the where of your business if you're a location-based business. It's your mission, your values, your products, your services. It's like all of the foundational stuff. Then we have the water. No garden is complete without a good watering. And we haven't had rain here in New Hampshire for quite a while. So we are feeling that for sure. Watering is the educational piece of your content. Sometimes it's going to look like tips, tricks, tools, resources. Sometimes it looks like telling stories like I like to do with morals and takeaways. Sometimes it is sharing a podcast or a video or other content that your ideal client is going to find useful. And sunshine, let's not forget the sunshine. Sunshine is the content that helps to sprinkle your unique personality into your content and spread your light around. It's your fun, inspirational, behind the scenes, questions to engage with your audience and get people really excited to interact with you and show off like who you really are. We do business with people. People pay their money to other people. So, and and typically, even if you are a product-based business, Um, People do feel a connection with the person that they're investing money with. I'm pretty sure this is even the case with like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. You know, it's like team Starbucks or team Dunkin' Donuts, depending on who you feel the most connected with. Okay, then we have the wind content. The wind, a lot of you really like the wind, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. Wind is the content that helps directly make you the sale or directly make you the money. Wind guides people to your, think like the wind, right? It guides people to your services, your products, your lead magnets, your books, your podcasts, your freebies, your workshops, your events. I shan't go on. Uh, It helps people to take direct action. Wind content has that call to action. It gives people a step to take. And ideally, this is what's going to help to lead people to work with you directly. Now, what did I mean when I said that a lot of you really like the wind? Okay, 
Here's what I see people doing wrong on social media and in their content. Let me get out my soapbox for a moment. People focus too much on one of these elements at the expense of the rest. They're either all tips and tricks, like dousing us with water and not actually telling people how to work with them to go deeper on it for learning and education. They're all pics of their kids at the beach or dogs sleeping, all sunshine, right? All about their lives and no telling their audience what they actually do for a living. Or they are all promotional and selling all the time. And we feel totally windblown and exhausted after consuming their stuff. You've probably started pulling people to mind that you know that you follow online that follow focus too heavily on any one of these areas. And for a healthy content garden, you have to have a nice balance of all of these. So think about that when you're crafting the words to help make you your money in your business. You want to be including a nice mix of all of this kind of content. So that's number one on how your words can make you money. The words in your content, they really help you build that know, like, trust factor. And they do the service of offering your people, showing your people how to work with you. They really lead people to work with you. Um, I did touch on all sorts of content types in a recent episode. Actually, it's the one I linked to in the show notes because the kind reviewer wrote about this exact episode. But super quickly, I wanted to get into some specific visibility areas and content just so you can really visualize like how you actually make money with your work in your business. So I have four of these. Uh, number one is, and these are just examples, but number one is blogging, right? So blogging actually can drive more leads to your website using the power of the search engine optimization gods and organic search. Um, a blog can bring people to book a discovery call with you, listen to your podcast, download your lead magnet, take action on your product or service you offer, caveat, of course, like I talked about in that episode, is that your blog has to be related to what your ideal audience wants to read and are searching for. And also, this is just my opinion, but I think blogging is best done with consistency and in conjunction with your content plan as a whole. Now, I think there are ways, even like with blogging, that you can get all fancy and make all this money on your blog. If you write a blog that, say, like piques the attention of paid advertisers and sponsors, I don't have experience with that. But I do know and I do have experience with blogs being a great lead generation tool if used properly, which can then directly transfer to you making more money. Number two is podcasting. Uh, once again, podcasting can make you money through direct calls to action, through sponsorships, through paid advertisers. I've even seen a podcast structured in a way where guests have to pay to be on the show and get the visibility. And again, the reminder, the caveat that the podcast needs to be relevant and meet your ideal audience where they're at. And it's also my experience that podcasts are best done with consistency and in conjunction with what you're already doing in your content. Number three, here's a little bit of an outside the box thought. Um, connect calls, coffee calls, and networking calls. Now, these kind of calls are both my friend and my foe. I might have to get my soapbox out again, actually. Hold on. Let me explain. I love connect calls because in my opinion, you never know 
where these connections are going to lead. Sometimes it ends up being a great client for you. Sometimes you're a great client for them and they really help move you forward in your business or in your life. Sometimes you can refer people to one another and sometimes you just become like really great, awesome friends. However, I have a habit of always saying yes to too many of them and I get exhausted fast. And I'll say this, if you're that person, if that is the case for you, when you're showing up exhausted to the calls, you don't show up as your best self and you might even show up resentful, which is going to throw the whole entire thing off. So when you're choosing your yes, which is a word, right, to virtual coffee dates, it's okay to choose them in a way that works for you. If you only want to do them one day a week, that's okay. If you only want to do one a week, that's okay. If you are the person that wants to do one a day, more power to you and that is okay. Now, when you actually get on the call, it can get awkward, right? There's that moment. What are you actually even supposed to say? So first of all, I'll say this. I like to go into these calls and here's another reason I want to make sure that I'm saying yes to the right ones because there's prep time involved before the call and after the call to follow up. So first of all, I like to go in with a relative degree of preparation. If it was an email that connected the two of us, I'll probably go back through to read that introduction email and find out why we were connected because there's nothing worse than getting on a call and being like, wait, who connected us again? What are we supposed to talk about? What are we doing here? Um, so I'll go back and check that out. Then I'll look at whatever info of theirs I can find, maybe their website, their LinkedIn, and I might jot down some questions I have for them, not just what they do, but did I see something on their website in their fun facts that I want to know more about? Maybe I want to know more about where they live, what it's like there. Um, there's a member of the She Built This group who lives in Texas, and I'm super curious about Texas. Maybe you saw a picture of their dog and their profile picture on Facebook, and you want to know the dog's name. Um, what are they doing for fun this summer? It looks like they posted a lot of fun family vacations and trips. I always like to come prepared with some ideas of questions, even if it's just like one or two, to help kickstart the conversation and take away any nervousness on their end right from the beginning. I also believe that those curiosity questions are a really great way to just help you get off to a nicely connected start. Let them know that you're not there to just try to sell yourself and you're actually there to like make a new connection and build a relationship. Personally, I'm not a fan of small talk and I tend to just go straight into the fun stuff, um, which I also think that 2020 and 22 has made a little bit more acceptable, but it's just however you decide to do it. Don't go into these with your agenda. Don't come in to sell yourself. Go in with the intention of building a true relationship and just getting to know the person on the other end. This is like an entire module in my marketing momentum lab. We focus on it for a whole week. And we're actually talking about it this week. So I'm like very, that's why my soapbox came out. But people can always sniff out a sales pitch like a mile away. And it's kind of a turnoff if you go into your coffee calls and your one-to-one -one calls with that kind of mentality. Um, okay, so in like a group setting, if you get the chance to pitch, um, or maybe you're just sharing what you do in that one-to-one -one setting, I want to challenge you in this. Can you make it just a little bit more intriguing than just saying like, oh, I'm a business consultant. I'm a life coach. I'm a nutritionist. I'm a podcaster. I'm a content writer. What about 
if somebody asks you what you do, you reply to something like, well, you know how as a business owner, you get ideas like every five seconds. I am the consultant that helps turn that flood of ideas into action that leads to profit. Your words, however you decide to use them, can build intrigue and help you stand out from the crowd. They can help you stand out from all the other content writers, all the other consultants, all the other life coaches, all the other nutritionists. I'm not going to go on, but you get the idea. Um, I also love the concept of sharing when someone asks what you do, sharing what you're working on right now, rather than just broadly what you do, because this gives people a more definite picture and helps them really visualize it. So for example... For me, if somebody says, so what do you do? I might say, well, the client I'm working on right now is a wellness coach and I'm helping her by going through every single blog she's ever written since 719 BC and turning it into social media content. So from here, all she's going to have to do is copy, paste, and post for the next year. Or maybe you answer something like, what do I do? Well, for fun, I ski, I listen to every podcast I can get my hands on, I read books like they're going out of style, and actually in my business, I help women to figure out how to live their lives doing more of what they love for fun outside of work. Maybe you even ask them a follow-up question. In that case, maybe it would be like, so what do you wish you had more time for? What do you like to do for fun? I mean, these are just ideas, right? But my point here is like, no one is saying that a pitch needs to be some standard set, plain Jane. Hi, I'm Emily. I'm a content writer and founder of She Built This. Make yourself memorable. Keep it popping. Honestly, keeping their attention shows that you are actually interested in them. And creating connection with your words, it can lead to both of you making money together as you help one another grow your businesses and your networks. Okay, and last thing on the calls, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask for things that would help you and simultaneously offer to help them. Someone who recently like picked my brain on a call, at the end of it, he asked me how he could help me. And usually in these cases, I just reply like, oh no, thank you, I'm good. Because I mean, truth be told, I'm always good. <laughs> but I said, well, I'd love for you to share my upcoming She Built This Lakes Region event with any women entrepreneurs who want to attend a New Hampshire networking event in September. I'll send you the link and the info. And of course, he said like, oh, sure, I'd be happy to do that. And P.S., if you want the info on that event, it's September 29th in Laconia, New Hampshire. I'll be sharing more about it in an upcoming episode. And I'll include the link to that in the show notes. It's going to be an evening to remember. And I'm wicked excited because I'm actually taking the stage for once to be like a part of the conversation with my co-host Jody Gallant and our three panelists, Karen Bassett, Karen Kenny, and Kelly Chapman. We really went big or went home with the case. Um, anyway, my point is do not be afraid to ask for them to help you. And of course, return the favor. All this advice applies to the presentations you give, the speaking engagements you have, the podcasts you're on, the books you write, make the ask, lead them to the next step in working with you, emails you send, make the ask. But asking for people to take the next step with you, that's how you can use your words to make money. Make the ask, get the opportunity out there, offer the solution. Obviously, this is all like, you, you, you know, it's when appropriate, of course. They can say no. They can turn away 
they can turn you down, they can walk away, but it is your job to get the words out there. And I will say that this takes a level of being clear on what your goals are for them to take as an action and also what their goals are, what's driving them. It's your job to be the one to figure out how to align the two and be that bridge. And when you do that, that's how you start to use your words to build connection, relationships, understand and help other people, lift them up, be a friend, provide support. Be intentional about what you're doing, saying, how you're showing up in your content, and how you use your words throughout your business, you know, in a way that really leaves you resting your head on the pillow at night, feeling content about your content. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. Um, Sometimes this requires pausing, which I learned the hard way last week. A friend texted me during a moment when I was just like sheerly and utterly overwhelmed. There was a little confusion about something I'd written and she kind of like screenshotted it and shared the loving feedback as how I could make it clearer and better. Well, I knee-jerk reactioned it and responded in a moment of heat and frustration. And honestly, for that particular week, for that particular day, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was not fair to her. Um, and after apologizing to her for my very intense overreaction, I had an emotional moment of my own where I had to reflect on it because I really hated how I reacted. I hated how I felt in that moment of o- overwhelm. Now, all of this could have been avoided had I just paused before responding. And Had I just had a little bit more grace with my own inner narrative, instead of making up a story, instead of seeing her feedback as some fatal flaw about myself and taking it for what it was, which was just like a way to make this thing better. In this case, pausing wouldn't have made me money. My words weren't making me money, but I could have saved a reaction I wish I didn't have with this friend. And in our networking and sales conversations, pausing does the same thing for you. Not saying anything actually can make you money. Pausing and listening to the other person can leave a way better experience for them than you trying to talk over them, not being interested in them. And I think that pausing before you use your words is really how we get intentional on what we are saying, who we're saying it to, how we're saying it. It also gives you a chance to listen, learn, and grow. So I know I went a lot of places today. I hope this all made sense. I have more for another day. But I just want your takeaway today to be to consider how in your business, your words are a tool to propel your growth and business forward. And in essence, that is how your words are a part of your toolbox in your business to make you money. And what you'll hear in next week's episode with my guest business strategist, Kim Dawson, is that money isn't about dollar signs, condos in Maui, and like being able to tout your six-figure salary on Instagram. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Money is about growing your business to the place where you have the choice, you have the freedom, you have the ability to live the life that you love and you are creating the life you desire. And Kim, that is what she is all about. That's what her mission is. So that's going to tie in perfectly to this topic when you hear my conversation with her next week. So like I said, I know we went a lot of places. I always welcome your words, your thoughts, your insights, and of course, your friendly emails to emily at emilyaborn.com. 
and I welcome your reviews as well with open arms. I'm going to leave you here for today and I will chat with you next week. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.